Hi, this is Christian from The Workprint, and we are doing TV Talk Episode 2, and this one we're going to be covering Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, we're going to be trying a new format for this uh, episode. Basically, I think for the foreseeable future, I'm going to be trying to pull in different guests among friends and other uh, people at The Workprint. With me is my cousin Denise. Hi. And uh, my friend John. Hello. And they'll be going over Love, Death, and Robots with me. All right, so I guess let's just let's just get started. Uh, we're going to be covering each in every, in every individual episode, but we won't go into full detail about all of them, just a few of them. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, if you don't know, Love, Death, and Robots is an anthology uh, just, that just debuted on Netflix today, well, which is Friday, the, what is the, 14th, 15th. the 15th. And uh, it's just a series of animated shorts featuring different styles and different directors and actors. Uh, and it, everyone focuses on either love, death, or robots, uh, which is kind of cool. All right. So, uh, first off, we have Sony's Edge. Uh, yeah, I guess we just start talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sony, uh, Sony's Edge is about this girl who's uh, Sony. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping this. Uh, Sunny's Edge. Uh, it's this girl who uh, is some sort of a fighter of some sort in what looks like a giant monster brawl. Uh, John or Denise, would you guys like comment a, on it? It's like a uh, kaiju battle, right? Is that the right word? Kaiju? Mm-hmm. Big, big monster fight for those of you out there listening. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. Um... I'll say personally, when, when it started, uh, I, I really didn't... It was Because it's, it's great that that's the first episode, because I really didn't expect uh, what I saw. And it definitely sets the tone, mm -hmm. which is pretty dark. This is not like an animated series to watch with your <laughs> kids. Do not watch this with your children. <laughs> Ever. Um, but yeah, uh, Sunny's the main girl. I, there, there was a bad guy who's... Whose name was uh, Dicko, <laughs> which is well, interesting because uh, there was a lot of like LGBT themes. I feel like in this one, did you guys yeah. pick up on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I personally hate public speaking. I'm just gonna throw that out there, <laughs> <laughs> even though there's no public here. <laughs> Um, there, there is a lot of sexual symbolism in it. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And then you were mentioning it reminded you of the fight between uh, the mountain and the uh, and Oberon, the red plague. Yeah. 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 Oberon Martell. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty dope in that sense. And um, I, I really, I didn't see the twist coming. Did you guys? Like towards the end. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, are we allowed to spoil it or? Yeah, spoil it. Spoils away. Spoilers yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, at some point, I thought that maybe she was. She she actually was more connected to the monster than we realized. Hmm. I don't. What? So watching it a second time, there were certain certain things stood out, like when she. Uh, when they first walk into the arena and her two partners are with her, the one whose name I can't remember, um, <clears throat> he says to Sonny, are you okay in there? And I thought he meant just 
you know, in her in her head, in her psyche, oh. like, was she mentally okay? But I'm realizing that it was, uh, you know, more of a clue as to where her head really was, which was in the monster. <laughs> Spoilers, <laughs> Jinx. Um, I will say though that it was, it was re- kind of reminiscent to me of Alita because because I really like Alita and I wish people would watch it. <laughs> Um, the little tentacle things that came out with the little stabby stabs in the, uh, in the fight scene uh-huh. with the little things because that's actually in uh, I think one of the fight scenes in Alita and when I saw that happen I was like oh shit oh. that's pretty dope um, spoiler for Alita that's, that's not actually her but uh, like it's, it's really cool and it does put on this nice like agility versus super strength yeah, like, yeah that's why it reminded me of uh, the Red Viper and the Mountain yeah, yeah. which is like, pretty cool also, uh, fair warning to anybody who is going to watch Love, Death, and Robots. There is a surprising amount of nudity I did not expect in a lot of these. And gore. And gore. Well, I mean the death. and the, oh, I guess that would be the love. And the, that would be the death. Yeah. And almost all of them feature a robot or some type of giant creature. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, the, the animation in the first episode is oh, really beautiful, yeah, I think. it is beautiful. It is fantastic. Um... A lot of these I was actually pretty impressed, animation-wise. Um, but we'll get into the ones that we didn't like later. Uh, let's keep going, because we can go on around forever and I forgot time. Uh, <laughs> Alright, next up is uh, Three Robots. This one was my favorite one. I agree with Denise, this was my favorite. Yeah? I'm also a fan of, big fan of robots. Fictional robots. Real robots scare me. <laughs> I think they are going to kill us all and take over. But fictional robots are great, like Wally, R two D two, Johnny Five, Johnny Five, Johnny Five, Johnny Five probably started all for me. Or was it R two D two? Okay, tangent. No, no, it's okay. Tangents are welcome. I feel like what is it? Johnny Five is like the the grandfather of Wally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's told. Yeah, they totally based Wally off of Johnny Five. But Three Robots has three of its own unique robots. <laughs> Yeah, well, Which, do, we don't learn the name of each one, do we? We only no, know the name don't. of uh, the 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 humanoid ones, right? Yeah, whose name I can't remember. Bot four thousand is that what it is? X, oh, it's Xbot. Xbot four thousand. <laughs> it's uh, named Xbot for a reason. It, it's basically a giant, an evolved version of an Xbox. Xbox. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Yeah, um, Denise, you had mentioned earlier that. The three robots reminded you of the three of us. Yeah, especially after they were bouncing the basketball. <laughs> yes, there's there's a scene where they go to a gym, find some corpses, and they also find a basketball, which uh, one of the robots is enamored with. <laughs> Christian. <laughs> that was totally... going to be my next question. Which, which robots are who? I would totally find the basketball amazing. So look at this, guys. It bounces and it's history. Tell me exactly how, what it was like. <laughs> and I, you I, would be the one who was like, that was anticlimactic. I would be Xbot 4000. <laughs> <laughs> who starts the show. I, I also want to say, say that too. The way the episode starts is great because you see this dystopian, destroyed future. And this like military style humanoid robot walking up over the horizon and he just stares at the screen and then he says 
we're fucking lost, aren't we? <laughs> and it's it's great because uh, that one very much shifts the tone of the series. Because yeah. after the first one, you're very much like, oh man, this is going to be really gritty and like and great, but like really like dramatic and emotional. And Three Robots starts appearing like because it's set in like the post apocalypse, but you know all humanity's dead. It's just these three robots that just suddenly pop up, and you're like, ooh, it's going to be intense. And then they crack that joke. And immediately you understand, like, this is this is a comedy. Yeah. Did we even say the premise of Well, now we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the premise is three robots are just traveling around. They're, they're on they're a sightseeing. mini vacation. Yeah. They're sightseeing. <laughs> they're sightseeing post-apocalyptic Earth, and they're uh, trying to humans. get a, a sense of the history of humans. Yeah, but a long-lost, not overlords, but, like, just these things that used to be here. Which is interesting because they like try to like do human like things. They're like finding it all very alien and strange, which is pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, I think the aspect of of pets we have to mention for this one. Too. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> who wants to go there? <laughs> um, I had a thought that did not deal with pets, and I can't remember what other thing. Well, one of the reasons the Xbot Four Thousand reminded me of you is that the cat. <laughs> immediately gravitated towards it. Oh, that's true. So, uh, for anyone who watches this one, um, they find a cat pretty early, and there's a really, really funny joke involving exploding kittens. Um, mostly, mostly because, like, you know, it's like, what's that thing? And it's, it's a cat, and they're like, ooh, let's, let's see what it does, and they do things like emulate, like, things like petting, but they have no idea what they're doing, because they're like, what, what is this thing? But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because then I think one of them Google searches and it's like, wait, there's this thing that they used to these humans used to play called exploding kittens. And for those who don't know, um, and I'll I'll tag it in the uh, in the review of this when exploding kittens is a board game. game. Yeah, and it's exactly what it sounds like. Cats explode. Yes. <laughs> there's also a cone of shame involved. Wait, is that that game or is that a different one? I think it's an add-on. That's the expansion. Oh well, amazing. the expansion has the cone of shame, which is great. We had a lot of fun with that. Christian didn't. He didn't have fun with that. But I the rest a, of us did. I had the cone on for most of the time. <laughs> Exploding kittens, if you're listening, please send us a free copy of your game. <laughs> I think I have a photo of you in the cone. Oh, God. I can can we, can we, can you uh, post that to the review? <laughs> um, so, no, I feel like I have to. So something that, that I really liked about this story and something I like about a lot of stories that... Um, they just do this so simply, like watching this this this. How long is it? An Eleven, 11 minutes, minutes episode. You immediately know who the characters are that yes. you're dealing with. Yes, that was like you're just immediately like, oh, you know what? I don't need to know their like. I don't need a really extensive ex- uh, exposition of their background. I just just. The way they talk and the way they interact <laughs> with each other and the way they interact with their environment, you immediately know what kind of people these robots are. And it's great. I love when stories do that. Yeah. These robots are awesome, by the way. Just throwing that out. For those of you who can hear that, uh, it started raining and thundering in the background. I don't know if it'll pick up, but if it does, awesome. <laughs> um, oh, boy. But yeah, but three three robots was definitely the best. Great di- dialogue, really funny and clever. Yeah. Denise, do you have anything to say about three robots? No. The I animation don't. was really good too. Yeah. Uh, one last thing, I didn't unlike these two. I haven't seen every one of them, 
But I will say, though, that the uh, the first two seem to have the most developed uh, stories that I've read uh, so far, which is kind of strange, because I went through maybe, like, five or six, and the others, they, they, they watched all of them, and I was surprised, but uh, you get a little bit of everything in, in Love, Death, and Robots, which is, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you like animation, uh, definitely watch it for that. Anyway, um, on to the next one. The Witness. Um... I don't know anything about this, so... <laughs> uh, would you guys like to talk about it? The episode starts with two people fighting. <laughs> you sounded so... <laughs> it starts with two people fighting. It's very difficult to see what's happening. It's done on purpose. Um, and there's some gunshots, and it cuts to show this young woman putting on her makeup and she hears a sound she looks out her window and it, it turns out she witnesses her neighbor in the building across the street killing someone who looks just like her and that freaks her out and the, and her neighbor sees her they make eye contact and she realizes oh shit I need to get the fuck out of here oh can I curse? yeah okay, you can good. say all the sweat profanity you want so, so she gets out of there <clears throat> and um it turns into a chase scene, like half the half the film is a chase scene, and she's being chased by this guy, but he doesn't seem to be acting violent towards her. He's just more, um, he wants to talk to her, and it seems like he wants to explain what happened. It was, it was strange. Um, but she ends up getting away from him, and she goes to work, which happens to be a, um, a strip club. She's an exotic dancer, and uh, it is a fetish club. It is a it is a latex fetish club, which she is an exotic dancer at. But the dancers do not wear latex; just the members of the club who are attending, which is weird. It's just it's just a weird thing that they decide to throw in there. Oh, hi, Ruby. <laughs> Ruby the cat has decided to join us and immediately leave, so she will not be giving any input. Um, so or explode. So anyway, the guy follows her there. Like he watches her show. She sees him. She runs away again. He run. He goes after her, and eventually, what ends up happening is it culminates with the two of them ending up in this apartment together because that just happens to be where she ran to get away from him. It's just some uh, apartment building where one of the apartments was unlocked and empty, so she was trying to hide in there. He busts in, and he's trying to talk to her, and uh, at this point, she has a gun because she got it from work. Anyway, just watch it. What I really liked about it was the animation. It was really, really cool. It kind of reminded me of a blend of a scanner darkly oh, and... That's the one. Okay. Um, into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. Because at some point, and they do it very subtly, whereas I feel like it was more prominent in um, Into the Spider-Verse, uh, at some point when they're running through the city, she takes off her, her heels so that she can run more quickly. And when she throws them on the ground, you see like a little a little flash oh. and like a... Like, you know, it's a word for a sound effect, like a, yeah, like a thuck or a oh. tack or whatever. Yeah, I watched a couple of minutes and I noticed that too. Yeah, but they do it more subtly than how so, it's done in Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. which makes sense because Into the Spider-Verse, they, you know, 
based on a comic book mm-hmm. or many comic books. Okay. But yeah, so it was like little things like that, and also like it just it was very fluid. I really want to look into how they animated it because I'm not sure if it's like motion capture that's then blended with other styles of animation. So like um, for that one, definitely catch it for the animation or anything else. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, the animation is really, really cool. And the character designs and everything. I'm just going to throw it out there. I didn't realize that each one of these episodes has a small logline for those who read Monomythic um, describing the episode. So I can just read off the logline. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. I did not do that when watching the episodes because I wanted to be surprised. (laughs) Um, All right, so the next one is Suits. Another one I have no idea what it's about. A community of farmers use their homemade mechs to defend their families from an alien invasion. That is literally what it is about. <laughs> that is the whole story <laughs> in a nutshell. A part of me is like, again, some of these are very kind of straightforward. Straight yeah. How is the animation in that? It's, it's cool. It, it's like, it's almost like... Well, Can you s- compare it to anything you've seen before? Yeah, like, it's, like, kind of like some Pixar animations, but it, it almost has, like, a, um, like, the way they do the, the, the coloring and the shading, it's almost blended in a way where it reminds me of paintings. It, like, like if you're looking at the children's book section in a bookstore, which I like to do, because children's books have amazing artwork in them, mm-hmm. um... I feel like a lot of modern artists do use digital formats to, sorry, to make their art, and a lot of times they kind of have, like, you can tell it's digital, but it almost has, like, a, a paint feel to it, and that's kind of what it looks like in Suits, and now I'm sure anybody who's listening to this is going to go and watch that episode and be like, what is this guy talking about? That's not what it looks like at all. Um... But yeah, but the animation, the animation is cool. It's nice. So what do you think of the tone of the series? I felt like I was watching a mid-90s, early 2000s action adventure movie. Like Independence Day or Starship Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Which it's very much like. It. They're, they're fighting aliens. The, the, the most interesting thing about it is the fact that it's farmers. But... I realized afterwards, thinking about it, I was like, well, that actually does make sense. The aliens are vermin. They need to stop the vermin from destroying their crops. And also, farmers work with large pieces of machinery. In this universe, they are mechs. (laughs) But yeah, but the story is them fighting off aliens. But it's very much, it's... It was it was okay. It was entertaining, but definitely had like that '90s feel. Like even the music was very <laughs> triumphant and like. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, on to the next one. Sucker of Souls, unleashed by an archaeological dig, a bloodthirsty demon battles a team of mercenaries armed with dot 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 cats. What is with the cats in this? <laughs> not, not really. They. At some point, they realize the demon doesn't like cats because when he eats them, they cause his flesh to catch fire. Um, <laughs> but this, I feel like this this episode, this story, is a good example of um, 
to me, it was just kind of like supposed to be like an adult animation simply because they use profanity and they make crude jokes. And it's just a lot of like the wisecracks and the quips from the different characters just really fall flat because they're just, I don't know, it, it's kind of stuff like, that's what your mama said or something like stupid like that. Um, and the animation was okay. It wasn't anything really special. And not because it's 2D. I love 2D animation. It just... Not yeah. yeah, it's just alright. Cousin, did you see this one? Or? Mm-hmm. No? Ah. no? Again, it's no. a very straightforward story. Yeah. They fight a bloodthirsty demon. I will say that a lot of these are pretty much like the promise of like your logline slash your premise. It's like, it'll tell you what it's about, and they're pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I guess is like, you know, the animation's supposed to get you compelled and make you love the thing. Um, Excuse me. I think... The first two and the last one really have the strongest story for me, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, okay, so on to the next one. When the yogurt took over. Oh, did you want... Here, I'll read the log line. After scientists accidentally breed super-intelligent yogurt, it soon hungers for world domination. That is accurate. <laughs> that's what happens when you... When you accidentally breed super intelligent yogurt, it looks at the world and says, wow, humans are stupid, and then they, you know, take over. So, um, this one apparently is made by Blow Studio, which is the same one that did Three Robots, episode two. Oh. Um, it, was there any similarities in style or, or theme? I mean, it's, it's a very whimsical story, obviously, because yogurt gains sentience and takes over. Um... And the animation itself is very whimsical too. Um, it's it's just a it's a weird, funny story. There's one scene in it that I had to rewind because I I I thought to myself, wait, no, I did not just see that, but it, I did. I don't know if I should say what it was or uh, let it be a surprise. I'll let it be a let surprise. It be a surprise. Especially because okay. this one's like a six-minute six one, so it's, yeah. okay, we'll, we'll leave it be a surprise. But there's this great part where I saw it and I was like, "What? No, that did not just happen." I rewound and I let it play again, and I was like, "Oh my god!" and started cracking up. <laughs> it was, it was amazing. Denise, you have anything to say about this one? Okay. okay. Um, all right. So our next one is Beyond the Aquila Rift: uh, Awakening after. Traveling light years off course, a ship's crew struggles to discover just how far they've come. That sounds like the plot to something else. What, what probably, it? probably a lot of something else's. Yeah. Because that's how it felt. It felt like yeah. one of those stories that I've seen done in almost every science fiction show that I've watched, and also a lot of different science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the animation just. Really... Yeah, the animation it's hyper realistic, and the environmental design and the ship designs and everything are really great. But the faces drive me nuts. The faces just they don't. They're hyper realistic looking, but the micro movements that exist within a person's face are not there. So it just doesn't work. It's weird. I don't like it. Mm. Sorry, whatever studio. <laughs> made this um but yeah as far as the story it's just like it's just i don't know it's very typical seen it done many times before so yeah uh the next one is good hunting 
the son of a spirit hunter forges a bond with a shape-shifting Hulijing. I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, this would be slightly racist if I wasn't Asian. I'm assuming it's Asian. Is this Asian? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I get a little bit of a forgiveness there. Uh, this one's surprisingly long. It's 17 minutes. Um, what did you guys think of this one? Because the animation picture from what I'm seeing looks interesting. Yeah, this is a, a 2D animation. Um, what I liked about this one is it starts off as fantasy. Hmm. It's very much a, a fantasy story. Because, um, you know, there's a spirit hunter hunting a spirit with his son. Um, but it eventually goes into a steampunk world. And that happens because technology is brought over to this country and the magic in the land starts to fade away because of modern technology, which is a theme in a lot of fantasy stories. Hmm. And um, it starts off with trains and steam engines and then from there it turns into full-on steampunk with all these various steam vehicles and automatons and uh yeah that i thought that aspect of it was really interesting and there's like kind of kind of a love story there love story i i can't tell if it's like romantic love or just really really good friendship i have a question are there death or robots in that one that's yeah te technically well, then I guess it's we a, cause, Yeah, because it's a steampunk... Well, more of a cyborg, I guess. Steampunk cyborg. I was hoping process of elimination would just mean... It's love! But I, I guess... I guess there are no straight love stories in Love, Death, Robots. Yeah. But this one is good. I, I like this one a lot because of the fantasy sci-fi blend. All right, so the... The spirit hunter's son becomes friend with the spirit that he killed's daughter and she ends up losing her magical ability she used to be able to turn into a nine-tailed fox oh it involves a uh, naruto that's not what it's called i can't think of the name the yeah i can't remember the name <laughs> kyogre kairi kayubi kayubi there we go um so yeah so <laughs> she like these spirits they could take on the form of women and then the form their natural form was the fox and as technology grows and prospers, magic fades away, and eventually she can no longer turn into her original form, which is the fox. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is the only way she can like survive and make an earning is she becomes a prostitute. Holy sh! I didn't think this one was going in that direction. Yeah. Mostly because I just thought it would be like spirits and foxes and hunting. Yeah, so she becomes a prostitute, and then what ends up happening is this one guy who like took care of her and you know always paid her really well, but never slept with her. One day he drugged her and he turned her into a cyborg, because he could only get erect for robots. You know what's weird is um it. That seems to be a recurring thing in this, which is because like in the in the first one too, there's like a little bit of a trigger warning. Well, at this point, it's late. Uh, like a, yeah. a bit of rape in that first episode yeah. too. So it was like surprising. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that was good hunting. This next one's called the dump. Uh, Ugly Dave calls the garbage dump home, and he's not about to let some city slicker take it away from him. 
this sounds very what's the word that I'm not trying to use? Redneck. It just sounds very redneck. Oh, it is very redneck. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay. It is super redneck. I was yeah. just doing that as a joke. Okay. Uh, is this an American studio that did this? Yeah, let me take a look. I can't tell. I don't know why I thought I could. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, did you guys have anything it, to say? I wasn't crazy about it. Okay. But I liked it more than some of the others. Out of the uh, out of the whole anthology, just I think because the animation was a little more, a little more unique, a little more interesting. It's very like Pixar style of animation. Mm-hmm. It seems like it from just the signature. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> the other part that made it interesting is what lives in the dump. Which, what lives in the dump is a creature of unknown origin that anything it eats becomes a part of it. So it's basically this giant... It's essentially kind of akin to a dog. So it's not like a, It's like a junkyard dog. Yeah, yeah, it's a junkyard dog made out of junkyard. Hmm. So it's not Bigfoot. No. No. And uh, it becomes Ugly Dave's pet after eating his friend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was also going to say, Ugly Dave seems like he's the dad from Up. If he, like, decided to retire in the Midwest a little bit. Yeah, Ugly Dave is definitely a redneck. Um, What was his name? Carl. Carl. Redneck Carl. (laughs) Carl. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Alright, this next one is called Shapeshifters. We did Uh, not finish that one. Neither of you finished no. it? No. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's the end me. of Shapeshifters. <laughs> uh, for those interested... I mean, I, I, we started it. We know... Well, well, we can read the description to you. Deep in Afghanistan, two Marines with supernatural powers face a threat from one of their own kind. Is that so, a werewolf? I believe that's what they can turn into because okay. they're really good at tracking and running and smelling and seeing and they're super strong and they heal really fast. And they're in the military. And so far we know there's two of them. And the other guys are racist towards them. Because they're werewolves and they refer to them as dogs. <laughs> and that's that's all I know about that one. Cool. That one also has hyper-realistic animation, but they do a much better job with they the faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So that you're not staring at the people's faces thinking, why... Why do you look like this? Why do you look so empty? <laughs> because they're, they're, they're I don't know. All right, uh, on to the next one. Helping hand, uh, stranded in orbit, an astronaut must choose between the life and limb before her oxygen runs out. Wait, did I read that right? Let's choose between life and limb before, before her oxygen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I imagine this is gravity. The film Gravity by Alfonso Cuaron, which is a great movie. You should watch it, listeners. Yeah, we haven't watched it. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, what is it? Uh, it just it seems like it's dizzying. Um, okay. Watch. That's like the best one on here. And we didn't watch it. All right. This next one is called Fish Night. After their car breaks down in the desert, two salesmen take a dreamlike voyage to the dawn of time. I will say right now, the animation looks trippy. What do you guys think? It does look trippy. I did not watch this, but Denise did. Ooh! 
Please Animation tell us. Animation is like, um, it's like a standard graphic. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't really enjoy it, so I don't really well, have much to say why about did, it. Why did you not enjoy it? It just... Were the characters not lovable? Yeah. Were... Was the, was the, I'm just gonna was, say yes. To was everything. the dawn of time uneventful? No, it it was eventful. Is it really trippy? Like it is as really trippy, trippy as it looks, because it looks like there's neon colored fish I mean, swimming you, around. If that you're guy. gonna watch it for anything, watch it for the animation. But I didn't really care for the story too much. Yeah. So, like, is is the weird trip with the fish and stuff related at all to the story, or is it just he's just he's just tripping? Is this tripping? What might be an aquarium? One of them is tripping. Uh, wait. So do they not actually go to the dawn of time? Is it just in their heads? They can just spoil it. it yeah. Yeah. Oh. Are they? Are they literally just hanging out in an aquarium? <laughs> just no. to, let's drop some no, acid. They're in the middle of the desert, the and like <laughs> they wake up and they just see all these like fish these like fish it's like they dropped in the middle of like one of those laser light shows <laughs> one of them goes a little crazy <laughs> that's why you didn't like it because you don't like laser light shows so there you go audience uh fish night is about a fish laser light show <laughs> nothing to do with fish or a night just fish laser lights that right do you think do they say what drug they were on they weren't on was any it drugs the, oh okay so he was just he was just tripping i was hoping it was that toad that they extract the uh venom from and then oh. smoke uh the one you lick no, no no you don't lick it you have to squeeze it out of like <laughs> out of like sacks Johnny, on, are you on teaching, their backs are you teaching the audience how to and like do drugs <laughs> no. <laughs> no so there's another great show <laughs> that we'll plug called hamilton's pharmacopia it's on vice try and get access to it and just find whichever episode mentions toads or frogs in the description it's a great episode it's weird <laughs> all right people, so. do, people do weird stuff to get high got this weird i'm like laughing all right um <clears throat> this next one uh i picked Personally, because it's my lucky number, and the title of it is called Lucky 13. Um, after the dropship Lucky 13 lost two crews, no pilot would fly her, but rookies don't get a choice. Um, this one stars Samara Wiley from Orange is the New Black. Mm -hmm. um, she plays a fighter pilot who pilots this mysterious ship that, uh, if you've ever seen the Lucky... Not Lucky number 11, the other one. Um, what's that Jim Carrey movie? Where he's like obsessing over numbers or twenty three. Twenty three. If you've ever seen twenty three, which I actually guilty pleasure, I did like, and everyone made fun of me for. Uh, they the lucky thirteen tends to have like a similar number pattern with the call sign numbers on a chip. So like there, there's basically a lot of uh, mystery slash what's so special about lucky thirteen. But um, overall, like the the episode, um, it shows that it's this this woman's relationship with her ship. That just seems to survive in the most effed up situations, and it's kind of her like her go-to beauty thing. Uh, as time goes on, and she ends up being like one of the best pilots, uh, so it's it's a it's a story about a bond between a, a woman and uh, and her ship. And uh, there's basically every fighter trope pilot thing that you can imagine, including a, a nod to Top Gun. Um, 
watch it. It's kind of funny and kind of ridiculous. Like, I was kind of hoping she'd flip the bird as she did that, but it, it, it <laughs> didn't happen. Also, it felt kind of like, uh, you remember that where they're like flying in the canyons with the aliens? Um, Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that whole dogfight in the day. I was like, yeah. wow, wow, that's totally that. Um, I don't know, what did you guys think besides like what I, I don't know, just like that, I think that pretty much covered it. It was very much very much a fighter pilot story. <laughs> straightforward. Yeah, it was, yeah, again, very straightforward. The animation in that one was freaking crazy, though, because at first, I didn't think the people were animated. I thought it was just the environment they're in. And then another character came on screen, and you could definitely tell he was animated. And I looked more closely at the main character and realized that she was animated too. But it's so hyper-realistic yeah, is. that it makes you start to freak out. I totally agree with you there. I thought this was a live-action movie, and I was, I was astonished. Because yeah. I, I really thought that was her. And they had like a small studio budget, but that was, that was pure animation. Excellent job to the animators there if you're trying to see something realistic. Uh, final thoughts? It was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Zima Blue. Um, I'm just going to throw it out there. This title sounds amazing. Uh, all right, Zima Blue. The renowned artist Zima record, uh, recounts his mysterious past and rise to fame before unveiling his final work. Was Zima an alcoholic beverage that was popular during the late yes. 90s? Okay, all right. Yeah. I thought so. Wait, wait, wait. So, was that alcohol also broken into flavors based on colors? Like, would Zima Blue be a Zima drink that you could get, or was it like Zima Blueberry? I could have sworn it was like Smirnoff Ice, and I say that because I used to love Smirnoff Ice when I was 21. (laughs) I was like, yeah, it's like drinking, but it's tasty. Yeah, I was like that too. Which is like that's that's totally what Zima was. I was kind of hoping they'd allude to that, but I I didn't see this one. Did you guys? Denise watched it. <gasps> I did not watch it. <laughs> you don't want to say anything at all about Zima Blue? No, I didn't care for it. Oh, well, what? what? Right, so what is it about? I think you might like it. Okay, why? I don't know. It just seems like a story that you would like. Is it depressing? <laughs> Thanks, guys. I, I mean, it's, it's about it it's about an artist. It sounds I like think, it would be depressing. I, I think you might like it too. I have a feeling just I how would. It ends too. Also, there's like someone. It almost looks like Abe Sapien in his vat of water. Which oh my I guess god! Would really be a vat. It would just be a. Is Zima Blue like a drink that? Is made out of former washed-up Zima no. artist. Oh, wrong. <laughs> well, it sounds it does sound like a drink. It sounds like Zima from the '90s, specifically <laughs> Zima Blue from the '90s, as opposed to Zima, Zima Red or Zima Orange. I assume Blue is blueberry flavored. The packaging was blue. Oh. Wait, maybe I'm confusing something else for Zima. Holy crap, you're right. They definitely uh, are alluding to Zima. Uh, There's no way they can't be. There's another one that I'm thinking of. I mean... From that time period. Is it also like a vodka sweetened... Yeah, like, they had like, I don't know, 20 different types back then. Weird. And by 20, I mean like four or five. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, Zima Blue seems like it would be interesting. Seems like it'd be dark, kind of depressing. I feel like we should move on because we keep talking about yeah. something that we're not <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, that's... But yeah, so uh, right. how about you guys listen to it and tell us? <laughs> you can comment on the, the post. Whoever is listening to it. <laughs> whoever, if I ever got this far. Yeah, and didn't cut. Uh, okay. Uh, right. Blind spot. Yes. The Blind Spot is the next one. Um, this is one that we all watched, uh, and we actually, I think we all, we watched the remainder of these, which is sweet. Um, Blind Spot was one that we all unanimously were meh, but uh, it's, it's logline slash premise is, a gang of cyborg thieves stage a high-speed heist in a heavily armored convoy. Um, what do you guys say? So, if you look at the thumbnail... It has, it's very dark, very uh, monochromatic colors, and it lo- like looking at it, I visualized a completely different story than what <laughs> the what the story was. I look at that image and I, I look at it, and I think to myself, oh, okay, so it's going to be this like elite unit of cyborgs. It's going to be a very, very dark, very dark tone, very uh, dark coloring and everything and I didn't think there was going to be any dialogue I thought it was going to be silent in that sense and I was really looking forward to that I thought it was going to be just like really slick animation it was going to be just this really like I don't know just some really cool um, choreography as far as like how they break into the, the vehicle and all of that but that's not what it was. It it's weird because it starts it starts almost like a Mad Max type situation. At least I thought, uh, and then and then it kind of just was like a train heist, and and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, I will say though that the best thing about it was the slow motion moment. Denise, can you reenact the slow motion? <laughs> no, moment? I don't want to. So, <laughs> so. I just want to, so that people have an idea of what what it looks like. Just imagine a early 2000s anime that is not actually Japanese, but made in America. And it's just really over-the-top character design and really bad dialogue and really <laughs> like crude, raunchy jokes that aren't funny. And... Like, one character makes a joke about positions, and then someone else says something about shoving a gun up his ass. That's that's the kind of... And then there was... That was my attempt at doing it. Yes, that was Christian's attempt <laughs> at the, uh, the slow motion scene where, a, uh, where one of the characters gets flung over the convoy or something... Or I, I forget exactly what happens, but he just yells "motherfucker" in slow motion. Is is the best part of the episode because yeah, and it's, it's so bad it's funny. It's weird because like the whole premise of the blind spot is literally like a spoiler. Oh, I mean, there's all spoilers. Uh, it's literally just a, a small scene, uh, like a small like five second moment. So the title is even kind of misleading too. Yeah. Uh, well, they make you they early in the episode they do say. 
that they have to get into the blind spot of the convoy. Oh. Um, but um, but the real blind spot is the climax of the yeah movie. where that guy's blind brain spot. actually is. <laughs> All right. So um, bad. These next ones, uh, I think we're down to the final three. Yeah. Uh, Ice Age. Ice Age was uh, interesting. Uh, Logline is a young couple moves into an apartment and finds a lost civilization inside their antique freezer. Uh, this one stars Topher Grace and a Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. Uh, what were your guys' like, thoughts on this one? Before I end up chiming in. <laughs> I found it entertaining. Yeah. Maybe. I thought it was... Well, it, it, it was interesting. They, they have a civilization developing in their freezer. That's that's neat. <laughs> I should mention this one's interesting too because uh, the the live action it starts as live action and the cuts are the freezer world where civilization is on like hyperspace level uh, progression. Uh, what did you think, Miss? Uh, it made me think of a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> um, for those who don't know. Uh, <laughs> Twilight Zone, like, everything can go back to Twilight Zone, but uh, there's an episode of Twilight Zone where they find, like, a little bit of, like, a tiny civilization thing, and uh, I I didn't acknowledge um, that that actually inspired an episode of The Simpsons, uh, Treehouse of Horror, I think it was seven or eight, where Lisa tries decaying a tooth in soda to ruin it for, you know, uh, soda for everyone. Uh, and she accidentally creates a microverse. The reason I mention that is because pretty much the entire world <laughs> slash premise is that episode of The Simpsons, which is insane how similar it is. <laughs> With the exception of, like, Ice Age maybe uh, having, I guess, less of a role for the, the main actors in it. Like, they don't really play a super... Besides being, like, the... They're yeah. observers. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I did like... The animation of the the city being built yes. and growing over time, like it was really neat to see that because you know often you think, oh, how did our own world look at some point, and how how would it look if we were able to see it grow and advance in hyperspeed? And now you can watch it happen in a freezer. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, all right, next one. Ooh, next one. Alternate histories. <laughs> I I don't even know how to start this one. If anyone feel free to take over. <laughs> so alternate histories we is my read the log line? second favorite. Do we want to read the log line? Well, I could you could you please read the log line? Just this one. Let's this one. let's not read the log line. Let's because I feel like it gives it away immediately. So in this one, in alternate history, there is an application called Multiversity, which allows you to plug in um, plug in changes within actual history and then see what a possible outcome could be. So basically this episode is a demo for that software and in the demo they give you a, um, a you know the free trial includes the most popular, change to history and the timelines that it creates and the most popular one is the death of hitler <laughs> so this one's very very interesting because it 
it's uh it's it's the death of hitler in very creative ways um and it starts out being very structured and subtle and then it goes very crazy but i'm gonna leave it at that because that's definitely one i think everyone if you're gonna watch love death and robots uh definitely check out alternate histories because that one really elevates it to this really yeah. ridiculous level it's amazing yeah the animation style makes me think of um Pixar and DreamWorks. <laughs> it does. It's very it's a very dark Pixar and Dream. <laughs> yeah, like the animation is really fun and quirky, but the the content of what's happening is dark and hilarious. Well, it is. It's like it's that weird rule where it's like it's it's ridiculous and bad to do this to people unless they're like nazis or robots or what is it stormtroopers or something there's like a th oh zombies yeah uh, everything is okay if it's nazis or if, uh, if, they, if they're nazis robots or, or zombies yeah you can do messed up stuff because they're evil yeah yeah <laughs> all right and the last episode of left uh, love death and robots the secret war Elite units of the Red Army fight an unholy evil deep in the ancient forests of Siberia. Siberia. Oh, I can't pronounce that. Uh, I didn't say this one, so what did you guys think? I liked it a lot. Really? Yeah. It actually reminds me of the, uh, the game series Metro, because they're Russian and they're fighting monsters. It's like Metro meets um, the second... Tomb Raider game. Okay. Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. yeah. Cool. But yeah, the, the animation in it is really nice. Again, it's uh, it's like the hyper-realistic style. Um, but the uh, the pacing of the story is done really well. And um, I don't know, it feels very fleshed out, I guess, compared to some of the other stories in here. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. It also kind of reminded me of Hellboy a bit because it has the arcane aspect to it, and Hellboy has a lot of... Hellboy is all arcane stuff set during various time periods, including World War II. <clears throat> cool. But yeah, so this kind of reminded me of Metro and Tomb Raider and Hellboy. Cool. Uh, all right, so uh, I think that's pretty much a wrap on Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, did you guys have anything you would like to say uh, before we sign off here about the show? Anything? I'm looking at my notes. Yeah. Any last <laughs> second things? Um, uh, the the only the only two things I wanted to say was. A lot of these episodes kind of remind me of um, the stories on the No Sleep Reddit forum, Ooh. which a lot have been made into recorded stories on the No Sleep podcast, in the sense where they they have like a nice build up and then they just kind of end abruptly, yeah. and sometimes it works, and other times I feel I don't want to say cheated. But I feel like it could have been better. Yeah, it could have yeah. like ended differently. I will say that less abrupt. I will say that uh, I think I like a lot of them for the animation style. The stories uh, were not the greatest. Um, again, I, I think 
the uh, the second to last one about alternate history. I think the first two were probably my favorites, but for the most part, it just seemed uh, it seemed like a way to just uh, adapt uh, robots and love and death. And I don't want to say cliche, but uh, you've seen these types of uh, storytelling methods before. Yeah, yeah. But the animation's great. So yeah, it does. I think that's all. It's the end. So I, it's I also thought that a few of the stories. Um, the only thing that really made them adult was the use of profanity and either gore or or uh, sex. Oh yeah. As opposed to like really including um, like adult themes, like stories about political issues or LGBTQ issues or things like that. I thought it was going to be. I thought. It, I thought there was going to be more of a, what am I trying to say? <laughs> more of a commentary on society and uh, social issues. Kind of like Star Trek. Except, you know, dark and violent and sexual. Hmm. But a lot of them is more just kind of like, here's a story that you would have seen when you were a kid watching cartoons back in the 90s, except now that guy's head got blown off. <laughs> and those five people are doing it together. Oh, that's right. That's, what, about that. that's yeah. what makes them adult-themed. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, I thought it was going to be a little more deeper, a little more developed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they... they pr- promise was love death and robots and we got that so. that's true mm-hmm. yeah all right uh so that's probably a wrap uh this was christian uh you can follow me at xn underscore angelus on twitter xn angelus on instagram and christian angelus on facebook you can also read my many many articles on the word print uh denise where can your audience find you i'm at denise vita on instagram and john i am johnny cakes bakes on Instagram, yeah, you can see some photos of pastries and and meat. <laughs> John is an excellent baker. Yeah, and now I work as a butcher. So there you go, meat and cakes. Meat and cakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, and uh, that's that's it. Um, yeah. Bye.